Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. The Bombers find fortune in the big smoke tonight and come away with a win. One point victory on a missed convert from Boris Beattie and the Toronto Argonauts uh, lose another one. The Blue Bombers move to four and oh, who is on my virtual right? Taylor Allen of the Winnipeg Free Press. Bombers beat writer. How's it going, Taylor? Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I've been enjoying your your content uh, all season and last year as well. And I gotta be honest. I had a bit of a, a chuckle yesterday listening to uh, the game day show with you and you and Chris Walby. You were teasing that you had a, a surprise co-host for tonight. So uh, I'm sure fans are probably pretty disappointed that it's me. But uh, <laughs> hey, I, I'm excited to be here, and hopefully you are too. But uh, yeah, I'm well, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited, you know, because we haven't had an opportunity to have you on the channel yet. Also, like a game like this, there is a lot to get to. We'll talk about the defensive backfield continuing to take the ball away real redemption game for Winston Rose uh you know that turnover on downs the challenge the Toronto Argonauts made uh on that second or third and short that Andrew Harris uh came up just about an inch and a half uh short of the first down Greg McRae Brady Oliveira the Blue Bombers run game or maybe lack thereof uh, some of the play calling from offensive coordinator Buck Pierce. Uh, we'll talk about Zach Kolaris, the injury to Kyrie Wilson. Uh, and then, of course, the Toronto Argonauts and Andrew Harris, of course, being the lead of it all. Huge game for him. 22 carries for 111 yards. Uh, and, and thank you, Taylor, for helping me out with that number a little bit earlier. Um, the Brandon Banks touchdown grab battling with Demario Houston. Was it an interception? Was it a fumble? Was it a touchdown? We're going to get into the ruling on the field and what the command center did and, and some of the reasons why uh, they ultimately upheld the touchdown call. I know a lot of fans are frankly pissed off about that, Taylor. How did you see probably one of like, I would say maybe the most controversial play in the CFL so far this year. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. I like to think on most challenges, I have a, you know, pretty strong sense of where it's going to go. But that one, I was like, I have no idea where this one's going to go. Um, just watching it live, it looks like Houston picks it off and then Banks just kind of rips it away at the last second and just ruled it to a touchdown to be, to be safe. But uh, yeah, again, watching it back as well and hearing what lots of people on Twitter were saying too, like you'd think that was an interception. So it is kind of weird how that one went Toronto's way. Uh, fortunately for the Bombers, it, it didn't matter. But uh, for Houston, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he felt sick after that one. He was rock solid in his la first start last week. Tonight, I thought he looked good again, and on that play, just some terrible, terrible luck. Like, what, what can you even say to the guy after that one? But, uh, yeah, Brandon Banks, he had a bit of a, a weird game. Um, I felt like the game in the first quarter totally went downhill after he had that 
drop uh, after the cloud. Bethel Thomas made that beautiful pass to him down the sideline. And then yeah. the next play was a pick six to Winston Rose. So uh, CDB kind of made up for it in a way with that play. But uh, yeah, kind of a weird day for him. And then the, the fight he had on the sideline as well, throwing a water. Yeah, that was wild, right? Pinball Clemens coming down from the, Unbelievable. From the box. Uh, that's not something you see every day. So yeah, we could probably spend this whole hour or two talking about Speedy B. Um, yeah, that, that was a really weird play. Where did you sense that one was going? The, uh, the, the sorry, the, 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 inter- uh, the interception Houston. that wasn't an interception. Yeah. So like I, I shared some thoughts on Twitter here, here's what it really comes down to. And, and this is not really an arguable fact or, or, or subjective at all. An objective fact is that a ruling on the field needs clear and definable evidence of the contrary in order to overrule a call on the field. So it was called a touchdown. And because Demario Houston, uh, Michael Shea talked about it after the game, saying Demario Houston did not have control of the football. So because he did not have the control of the football, the football is still live. It never hit the turf. Some people, you know, were, were saying maybe it touched the turf and that sort of thing, or that Houston had it and was down by contact. Uh, the CFL command center determined clearly that he did not have control of the football and that uh, it was still live. So Brandon Banks rips it away. The ruling on the field was a touchdown. There wasn't enough evidence to overrule that. I don't have a huge problem with this. Every single Bombers fan that is hitting, well, where is it? The Bonfire Hotline, 816-TIPS, 816-8477. It's lit up tonight, Taylor. Like, uh, pretty much everybody is mad at that call, you know, saying all the expletives, like, you know, this league, the officiating's a joke, and, uh, you know, it's the Argos. They only did it because it's the Argos, and if it was any other team, it wouldn't be that way, and this and that and the other. The reality is, you watch these games across the CFL. It doesn't matter if it's Montreal playing Calgary on on a Thursday night. It doesn't matter. If a ruling on the field doesn't have clear evidence because of the the review, the video review, they can't overturn that call. They have to stick with the one on the field. So I understand fans' frustration and level of, of um, you know, being upset with that, but I'm not surprised with what I saw. And I say that objectively, not surprised, because that's how the rules in the CFL are written as far as the video review is concerned. Well, at least for bomber fans, the the football gods uh, paid them one back at the at the end of the game with the with the board yeah. speedy uh, missed extra points, so they can't be too upset. Neither can they be about being four and zero, which is also which also kind of funny. I was talking to someone the other day, and there was a time around these parts where if the bombers were three and zero or four and zero like they are now, yeah. I mean we we people in this town would be hanging a banner just from that and throwing a parade just from that. <laughs> but it just shows how far this organization has come that yeah. now the team could be four and zero. And I think lots of people are actually kind of concerned about lots of areas with this team. And they've kind of, they're not looking quite as good as maybe the record uh, is at the moment and stuff. So it's just pretty crazy to think about how high this bar has been set by this team where, again, they're 4-0 and you can kind of poke some holes at them. I think that's so on the nose, Taylor. Uh, one thing I, I've i learned in pro sports is that winning solves everything. And like there was a lot of grief and a lot of frustration here in Winnipeg for 30 years, right? Um, I don't know if if you were even alive, Taylor, when the Blue Bombers won the the Grey Cup in 1990. 
uh, I was born in 92. So no, I okay. was not. like, I was very, very young to the, to the point where I don't remember the game. I don't remember the win. Uh, but I do remember getting my picture taken in, uh, like an, uh, a liquor commission, like an LC with Chris Walby. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it was a long, long time ago. So winning solves everything, but it also brings much, much higher standards. And I'm not talking about Mike O'Shea or Kyle Walters or Adam Big Hill in the locker room. I'm talking about the standards of fans. They expect a winner. They expect the team to perform at their best every single week. That's just not a reality. Winnipeg did not play well in week one. I think they played a little bit better in week two. They played pretty good in week three. I think Hamilton wasn't very good. Uh, so entering this game 3-0 against a Toronto team that has been up and down like an absolute roller coaster. And now they're 4-0 you know, kind of uh, lucking their way into a win from a missed convert. I was, you know, just going back to week two, and it was the first game of the week, the Thursday night in week two, Montreal in Toronto, and it was a 2019 Argonauts win. And why? Well, if you pull up, I'm, I'm pulling up the live play here and scrolling all the way to the fourth quarter, the the pretty much the final play of the game. David Cote, 21-yard field goal, missed. And that would have put Montreal ahead for a, for a two-point win with, like, what is it? You know, uh, a matter of, you know, 15 seconds left in the game. So, I, you know, I tweeted when he missed that, like, is this karma? Because that was the only win Toronto had to lead the East Division, was a missed field goal win against Montreal. Um so, you know, maybe karma came and bit them because, you know, they, they were really getting after each other on the sideline. You know, when the general manager needs to come down from, from the suites and cool guys down, cool Brandon Banks down and, and settle guys in a little bit during the game, like in the middle of the game, I, you know, the, the, there's some problems in Toronto and, you know, they're still a one win football team. Yeah. They, they went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league and in, in the Winnipeg blue bombers. But um, you know, I, I think they've got bigger fish to fry right now than saying, Oh, you know, gosh, we're one point away from beating the defending champs. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Harris has always been a guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. He's usually pretty honest. And I mean that in a good way when talking with the media and stuff like that, but leading up to this one, you know, he kind of, took the the cliche uh you know route and you know just another game blah 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 whatever and also i think a big reason for that was is how bad toronto played the week before and for him and the argos it was like we just gotta focus on figuring our stuff out never mind you know the juicy storyline of andrew harris going up against the bombers who moved on from him and whatever like we don't got time for that we just gotta get a get a win and start playing some good football here Another crazy thing to think about is how the Bombers, yes, they're 4-0, but they've all come against the East Division. And I believe the, the total record of these three teams, Red Blacks, Ty Cats, and Argos, is 1-9. So yeah. for the Bombers, I mean, a win's a win. doesn't matter who you beat or really how you do it. But uh, they, you could say they haven't really beat anyone that great this year. Uh, I know Ottawa has shown some flashes. Some people like they've seen from them, and so have I. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, not to skip uh, ahead to the weekend, but... You know, going up against BC, that's going to be the first real big test for the Bombers. And unfortunately for them, being 4-0, not playing your best football, has bought them more time to figure it out and whatnot. So um, despite, again, some not-so-great uh, play in, in some areas, uh, they're in pretty good spots. But, uh, but yeah, they really haven't played uh, a super tough uh, opponent yet either. 
we definitely have to get to the offense. Uh, but you mentioned the BC Lions, and it, it's not just it's not just any regular tough test for this football club, Taylor. Like if if we look at the standings right now, Bombers four and BC three and and I'll highlight their points for 137. They had two drubbings, one of Edmonton, one of Toronto, where they put up multiple, multiple touchdowns. Uh, Nathan Rourke, um, James Butler, that group of receivers, they're really getting things done. Uh, But the challenge is not a good football team in the BC Lions. That's part of it. That's a big part of it. But another really, really big part of it is five days between games. The Blue Bombers need to travel home to Winnipeg, and I'll presume they will do that tonight. Wake up in the morning, go into work, break down the film, and I'll give everybody a, a look at the East here. Two wins on the season. Montreal got one uh, just the uh, uh, just the other night. Um, go into work tomorrow, break down the film on day zero, as they call it, or it might be day one because it's a short week. Wednesday, they're going to probably continue recover and maybe work out a little bit. Thursday, they are, pardon me, is that right? I'm losing my days of the week here. (laughs) It's Monday. Yeah, so Tuesday, Wednesday, it's going to be rest. Thursday, they have a closed practice here in Winnipeg. Friday, they travel to Vancouver. So one time zone tonight, three more time zones uh, on Friday. uh, And then Saturday, they're going to kick off against the BC Lions in a game between the only unbeaten teams uh, I guess Calgary's three and O two, but uh, really a, a battle for first place uh, early here in the West Division. It's going to be a, a, a serious game, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Winnipeg um, handles the rest and the recovery uh, and the short week ahead of this one. Yeah, O'Shea was kind of asked about this uh, this kind of chunk of the schedule here, which obviously isn't a, an easy one. And he, and he downplayed it, which you kind of would expect him to. But yeah, this is an absolute nightmare of a, of a week for, for the Bombers to, to get home late tonight and have about 10 seconds to prepare for the BC Lions, who are red hot and have arguably the best player in the league right now, Nathan yeah. Rourke. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. And not only that, too, I mean, another storyline today that, you know, is kind of getting glossed over because of how crazy this game ended. It was Kyrie Wilson leaving the game early with yeah. an injury. And it was a non-contact play either. He was just kind of running... Uh, towards the receiver, I believe, and he kind of just his leg looked like it kind of gave out on him or something like that, and and he left and didn't return. And Jesse Briggs is already hurt, and Malik Clements he left the game uh, as well, so they're they're pretty nicked up uh, at that spot uh, for sure. So yeah, when you got some guys banged up, uh, I know Jamarcus Hardrick he came back in the game after that, that kind of early scare as, as well, but who knows. Uh, how he's going to be feeling tomorrow as well. So, right. So, yeah, only having a couple of days to prepare for your toughest game of the, of the season so far. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough test for anyone, even if you are the back to back Great Cup champs. Tons of people in the live chat right now. Uh, you know, what's going on to everybody out there watching live on YouTube and Facebook? Darren Bombing, Taylor Allen of the Winnipeg Free Press, following a Blue Bombers win tonight, 23 22 on a missed convert from Boris Beattie of the Toronto Argonauts. So Winnipeg, I don't know, maybe kind of, you know, flops into first place in the CFL at 4-0. Uh, you mentioned that injury to Kyrie Wilson. That that could be a big one. Um, he is a superb player and, and one I, I've been trying to tell people for a long time, like this defense is star studded from Rose and Alexander to Jefferson and Big Hill and Jeff Code and, you know, 
there, there's so many guys, right? Kyrie Wilson is an unsung player on this defense. Uh, if he misses time, the Blue Bombers uh, will miss him. That said, Malik Clements, uh, a second-year player, played seven games for the Elks last season. Taylor, uh, I think, is a very, very capable guy to step in. He did a good job uh, tonight. I, you know, he didn't stand out to me. I think he even had a sack on McLeod Bethel Thompson late in the game. Um, but there was a time where. He went out of the game too, and it was global uh, player Les Maruo who who had to step in. And then I was like, oh boy, oh no, here, here's real anxiety when you start getting down to your third stringer uh, at an important position uh, like weak side linebacker. But I want to talk about the offense. I know everybody wants to talk about the offense. Actually, Darren, I'm going to cut you off for one second there. Yeah. I just want people to re- reiterate to people, sorry, I can't speak, how good of a player Kyrie Wilson really is. Actually, I did a one-on-one chat with him the other week, and for starters, he's the most humble guy you'll ever meet. Super nice guy as well. Yeah. Um, I was talking to him leading up to the Hamilton game about, you know, the game ceiling interception and stuff. And he totally downplayed that. And, you know, he, up until this point, he's playing like an all-star. It looks like this could be the year where he finally gets some, you know, some right. personal recognition. And he, again, totally downplayed that for him. It's like, and I know athletes say these kind of things, but for him, it kind of came off like he really did mean it. Like, you know, I don't really care about any of that stuff. It's just about winning and playing for the Bombers and, and blah blah blah. And Michael Shea asked him about Kyrie Wilson as well. And he's and he said, like, yeah, people like you in the media have been sleeping on him for, for too long. We we've known for a long time how valuable of a player Kyrie Wilson is. So so no, when you go to IG Field, you're not seeing Kyrie Wilson jerseys everywhere. You know, sure. Willie and Biggie, they they get all you know, most attention and Jeff Coda and, and whatnot. But yeah. you know, you talk to anyone on that defense or on the team really, they will tell you how important Kyrie Wilson is to that defense. So so if, it, if he is out for a while, that is a huge blow for sure. But uh, no, yeah, you no mentioned doubt. the offense. So yeah, let's we'll, we'll get into that for sure. Yeah, like what did you see from it tonight? Like as a team, the Blue Bombers had 15 first downs to Toronto's 26. Two of those first downs came by the run game. Um, they were 48% on second down uh, and had 60 yards combined rushing. That came from... 28 from Oliveira. He averaged four yards per carry. Uh, Greg McRae had three carries for 18 yards. Uh, one of nine, which definitely helped his average uh, get up to six. Uh, Zach Kolaris ran two times for 11 yards. Uh, Janarian Grant had a sweet play for four. And then Johnny Augustine, just one touch tonight, uh, lost a yard on the play. Uh, people were clamoring for Johnny Augustine. In comes American tailback Greg McRae. He was used in a lot of different ways tonight. Uh, had four catch, or pardon me, three catches on four targets, uh, but wasn't able to compile compile any yardage because the play action swing pass or or screen play or or bubble screen or whatever you want to call it that that little chip off to the the flats just wasn't working. It was read like a book by the Toronto Argonauts all night long. But they kept going to it. They kept going back to it. It it. made absolutely no sense. It was strange. It was strange. What did you see in the offense? You mentioned Johnny Augustine only getting one carry, I believe, for for minus one yards. And I don't know if you know this, Darren, but I'm actually the president of the Johnny Augustine fan club. I, <laughs> uh, for for a couple for the last two years now, I've been saying this guy needs more of a chance. And obviously, he wasn't going to get one with with Andrew Harris, but with Andrew gone, you know the the story of of Brady Oliveira was just was just so perfect, right? I mean, another Winnipeg or another Oak Park guy and nicest guy ever, you know, rescues dogs and stuff. It's like okay, like that's. You know what a story, right? But Good exactly, yeah. yeah. But the Johnny is no slouch either. But and I, and I've always just thought he's just more of a dynamic player. He's just 
more electric with the ball. He's more of a guy that can, you know, bust out that 20 plus yard run and whatnot, where you look at Brady and people say he's more of a bruiser, which he is, but this year he has only one carry that's gone for 10 or more yards and then one for, for 10 yards actually, where Andrew Harris, they had two carries like one for over for 10 or more yards. So just kind of shows how tough of a time Brady's having just busting out a long run and the comments, you know, it's been quite a few people talking about the run game and how frustrating it's been to watch and, and uh, I won't lie, I've been pretty, uh, you know, harsh in some of my articles talking about it because, again, I think you look back at this this team these past couple of years and what's made them so successful is the fact that they could run the ball down basically everyone's throat. And I know they lost Drew DeJarle, which was a, a huge loss that I think was kind Oscar. of overlooked by, by yeah. some people. They just assumed Jeff Gray could slide in there and the O-line wouldn't miss a beat. It's just well, a guard. It's just a guard, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, what, what harm can it do? Exactly, but Drew DeJarle was a nasty, you know what, that's the type of guy you want in the back alley uh, with you for sure. So losing him uh, has definitely taken some punch out of that O-line. And and again, uh, you know, Brady, there's been times where it's like he's just not picking the right hole uh, on the line and sometimes the hole isn't there as well, so it's not all on him. But, uh, you know, you you look at the numbers, they're, they're not pretty. He's averaging three... Heading into this one is 3.1 yards per carry. He had four yards per carry tonight, so it's probably three point two or three or whatever. I'm no mathematician, Darren. But uh, it's kind of funny. Andrew Harris has 47 47 carries this year, one more than Brady, and he has 225 yards. And Brady has 46 carries this year for 149 yards. That's quite that's quite the the difference there. So. Yeah, uh, I think some people are. I've already seen some comments on Twitter and stuff. People saying how how could the Bombers not have offered Andrew Harris a, a contract and how silly they were to let him go and stuff. And it's easy to say that now, especially after the way he, he played. But again, I think in the, season, the whole season goes, let's see how the whole season goes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Let's not forget yeah. that he was actually questionable to even play this game. This is only, you know, week four. He's, he's already having some hamstring issues, I, I believe. And, stuff, and he's listed as an ankle too. So like, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, no matter what, no matter how he was feeling, he was going to play this game. But, uh, but yeah, over the course of a full season, and again, he's he's 35. What he's doing is absolutely insane. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. I don't know how many other examples of running backs at that age are still yeah. playing at this level there are out there. So I think the Bombers, although it's, really... it's not it's not showing up right now because it's not looking good, they, I think they did make the right move by moving on from Andrew Harris. But, uh, but yeah, at this point, I know it's only four games, but I think it's more than justifiable to press the panic button because Brady is not getting it done and Johnny isn't getting opportunity for God knows why. Um, you know, just give the guy a shot. Give him give him 10 carries a game. See see what happens here. Look at his – anytime he's ever been giving even a tiniest little chance, he's taking the ball and, and run with it, literally. Um, and Greg McRae, I think it's smart giving him, him some, some touches today, even though some of those swing passes were – pretty ridiculous but uh yeah so it looks like they're trying to, to, to add a spark to that run game and they better soon or else they're gonna have a tough time especially on saturday somebody in the live chat pointing out johnny augustine did have a catch uh for a first down he did have a second down conversion so thanks for that uh, i like this comment from uh adam uh Drawward, uh who's watching live on youtube absolutely horrible the bombers will get killed if they play against bc on saturday sorry play like this against bc on saturday mark my words yeah i i will mark your words adam i think that is probably true um, you know, uh, Michael Shea spoke after the game and, and, you know, a, a lot of the questions about like what went wrong 
are so often met by him with, Hey, you know, you're asking me questions. I need to, I need to look at the film. I get that. Um, but you know, it's, it's our first glance as members of the media, it's fans first glance, uh, watching the games, uh, to kind of try to figure out what, what is going on. Uh, does Winnipeg, you know, are, are they a sentiment? Many fans share Taylor is, are the blue bombers lacking a legitimate deep threat? Absolutely. I mean, they lost Kenny Lawler in the offseason. I think mm-hmm. people are also kind of glossed over that one as well, which kind of blew my mind. They, they lose Kenny. They lose Drew DeJarley. They lose Andrew Harris. Brandon Alexander's hurt. There's been so many. They had quite a few pretty big losses, and yet everyone was still like, oh, they're still the heavy favorites. They're going to cakewalk. It's a cakewalk to the third straight great cup. It's like, whoa, like, those are some pretty uh, – Castillo as well, at kicker. So, yeah, they have some pretty big losses. So I was kind of going into this year thinking, like, yeah, okay, well, let's pump the brakes here. Like, well, they have some stuff to figure out for sure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's obvious that Zach and Greg Ellingson have quite the connection. You'll see them before practice. They'll be warming up together and stuff, and they, they go way back, of course. But but absolutely, like, they are missing Kenny Lawler big time. And now with Dembscale, that adds to the problem even more. You would think Rashid Bailey would have got some more looks uh, tonight. He, he he was quiet, and while well, Tarski made some nice catches and stuff as well. But I mean, this offense, Darren, just feels so flat. Like you go, like you just watch this team. And it's like who, who's scaring you on the Bombers' offense right now? Like Zach's yeah. playing fine, but he's not playing like an MOP right now. Which I mm-hmm. mean, you don't have to do that every single year. But yeah, you just watch this offense, and you're like, okay, like no one on this offense is really scaring me. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're seeing something different, Darren. But that's the way they kind of look right now to me. No, flat is a good word for it. I, you know, uh, tweeted out vanilla, or I thought maybe uninspired. The play calling was was maybe a better way to describe it. Um, but you know, a, a lot of people like the, this Toronto Argonauts team went to BC. Uh, I don't think they had a short week, if I'm not mistaken. But it was what. A week ago, two weeks ago, it was, yeah, a week ago on Saturday, they lost to the BC Lions 44 to three. And what I saw in that game, I watched that game from start to finish, uh, even though it was an absolute blowout. Cause I just wanted to, I was kind of glued to Nathan Rourke and, and watching him in that game. And he stayed in, you know, despite a pretty heavy lead, but that all said the Toronto Argonauts offense could not protect. What did we see tonight, Taylor? We saw giveaway after giveaway from this Argonauts offense. And after throwing a pick six to Winston Rose and then an interception to Nick Taylor, he moves into a tie for the league lead with three interceptions on the season. Hadn't had a pick for a couple years. Uh, now he's a league leader uh, entering week five, which I think is pretty great. Um, you know, another turnover on downs uh, that the Argos lost a challenge on, on that Andrew Harris kind of, uh, you know, third and short. Um, and then what did we see? We didn't see McLeod Bethel Thompson uh, wither. We saw him through the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third quarter complete 10 consecutive passes. And then I think he hit Brandon Banks, who just stepped out of bounds. So he he was on the money. Like McLeod Bethel Thompson overall, I think, had a pretty good game. He was 73%, 314 yards. Yes, he had those two interceptions early, but he came back and threw two touchdowns. Um, then of course, Andrew Harris had 111 on the ground, averaged five yards per carry. And it was late in the game. I thought TSN did a phenomenal job when Toronto was pushing to the goal line and they had Andrew Harris run for five or six yards to get them to about the, the six or seven yard line. They cut the camera to Mike O'Shea 
and you could see it on his face. The same look that was on the faces of opposing coaches when it was late in a game and the Bombers were on the doorstep feeding the ball to 33. I don't know if anybody can stop Andrew Harris from gaining at least three or four yards in those situations. He is that good. So it goes back to that question, you know, you brought up, Taylor. Um, did the Blue Bombers make a mistake not signing a 35-year-old Andrew Harris? Um, I do believe we need to see the entirety of the season. Will Harris stay healthy? Will he be good to go uh, for this team if, if they're in the playoffs, that sort of thing? The reality is $180,000 for Andrew Harris or 90 for Brady and 90 for Johnny. And now you have a, you know, you have a succession plan in place at Canadian tailback. You know, you can't just go find a couple tailbacks or go scout the U S you have a Canadian running back, a Canadian uh, position there. And that's how you work your ratio. You better make sure you have options there. The Blue Bombers have drafted. They, uh, you know, drafted Oliveira. They signed Augustine as a free agent. Um, It's not an easy position to fill. So moving on from Andrew Harris was a strategic move by the Blue Bombers. Did it burn them? Yet We're yet to see. It didn't exactly burn them tonight, but boy, it put a scare in them, don't you think? Absolutely. And actually, before we kind of dive into that, I just wanted to point out one one comment. Uh, Adam in the chat was saying how the Bombers offense looks like a Matt Nichols offense, which I thought was hilarious Mm, and also uh, 100% accurate as well. But uh, yeah, from the actually, you had a good tweet before the game. You could just about how Andrew Harris, just how serious and how motivated he looked. And and yeah, it, it was obvious as well on the field. He he was running angry every first down he got. He was jumping right up. He got popped really good by Malcolm Thompson once as well, and he jumped right up from that one as well. Yeah. So um, I know Bomber fans are happy they they won, but in a way, I'm sure you have to feel kind of bad for Andrew Harris because his team did everything in their power to lose this game. And I know Mick BLT he 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 turned it on the second half for sure, but you can't be you, you can't just throw in two interceptions like that early in the game against the team like the Bombers with that defense and whatnot and Brandon Banks is his shenanigans and BD's miss at the end you know Andrew Harris he I don't know how he can even continue adding to his legacy but somehow he did tonight with that performance and he didn't really get the the reward the reward that he deserved sorry but uh but on that note I wanted to ask you about they they showed on PSN him receiving his great cup ring in this little tote bag before the game and you know he walked back to the locker room to take it in there I'd assume and whatever so I, it's, I'm not blaming the Bombers for this. I mean, they're not, the Argos aren't coming to town. I mean, he's not going to get that tribute video unless he plays another year or two and, and whatever. And Or if they're a crossover and meet Winnipeg in, in like a West Semi. True, which would also be kind of a weird timing to do that, though. For, Super uh, weird, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, it was kind of like an awkward thing. It's like, okay, like this guy deserved that standing ovation. I'm sure there'd be the odd boo bird or two, which there shouldn't be, but I'm sure there would have been. Um, yeah, it was just kind of awkward seeing him receive his, you know, here's a little treat bag with a great cup ring and thanks for these five years and, you know, being a huge part in our two uh, great cups. But, you know, here's a little bag with, with the great cup. I don't know. Again, there's nothing else they really could have done because they're not coming to town. But right. me, I just thought that was kind of like, yeah. And, and you know, you, you could see it kind of during the pregame show when the panel's talking um, on TSN, the, you know, Andrew shaking hands and hugging, you know, coaches and, and uh, former teammates and, and close friends and all of that. Like Jamarcus Hardrick said it this week. He's like, it's one of it's my best friend. I miss him. You know, like his, his three or four kids call him uncle, uncle Andrew, 
you know, it, 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 it was a game that, you know, everybody had circled on their calendar, not because it was a grudge match. Uh, I've, I've called it that. I think it's, you know, just a fun thing to do uh, to describe it that way. Um, but the reality is, uh, you know, it, it is a bit of a, you know, a pseudo homecoming, albeit the game was in Toronto, but, you know, to, to see those guys again, to, to face those former teammates where they lifted two cups together to meet Adam Big Hill in the a, uh, a gap, you know, like, uh, like he talked about, I think that's, um, a cool thing, but yeah, you know, Toronto not coming to town, I think is almost a little bit more of a, uh, a heartbreaker than Ottawa not coming last year with Matt Nichols and, and Paul Lapolis. That's just me. I like how you called him uh, McBLT. I haven't heard that one in a while for the law firm. Well, I, uh, I'm a diehard Minnesota Vikings fan and the Vikings was one of the 47 different teams that uh, Nick BLT has played for. So Vikings fans would always refer to him as McBLT because he has 47. a very long name. So yeah, uh, is give or take a couple. Yeah. It's yeah. around there. <laughs> Most of them for, were for about two weeks, but still, they, they count yep. the list. But, uh, but yeah, so I, maybe I'm the only person who called them that. I think someone in the comments called them that as well. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so a comment here, and, and thanks to everybody who's joining us uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, or maybe you're watching on Twitter. If you're watching on Twitter and you want to join the chat, head over to youtube.com slash bonfire sports or facebook.com slash bonfire sports TV. You can find all of our links to our podcasts and everything, uh, bonfire sports.ca, uh, MRV, not McBLT, but MRV says this team is dumb. Augustine needs to be the starter and used correctly. MRV jump back into the chat. Let me know, uh, specifically what you mean by used correctly. Uh, what I saw from Johnny Augustine tonight is, like he is hard to tackle, but at the same time, he is a smaller guy and he got hit hard tonight. Uh, I just don't know if he is a true between the tackles runner. Um, people criticizing Brady Oliveira for not being fast enough, but Brady can pow power through the hole, right? If, if Winnipeg wants to play that power run game, a la Andrew Harris, they want to play that smash you in the mouth, uh, physical dictating, uh, you know, the, the violence at the line of scrimmage. You want to do that. You need a bruising back. You need a guy that can hit the hole hard. And, and that's can Brady really, really do that though. Like they, I, I, I think, think it was so. in the first quarter. It was either their first or second drive. I, I believe someone may correct me, but I think it was a second and three, second and four. And they handed the ball off to Brady and he just mm -hmm. got absolutely swallowed by the line. Yep. And people keep referring to Brady as this big bruising back and stuff. I challenge, I challenge you to look at those two guys standing beside each other. It's not like Brady's well, some height. monster compared Brady, to Johnny. Brady's about 20, 30 pounds on him. Yeah, for sure. But like, he's not like, he's not this huge, like, oh, okay, that guy's a huge bruiser and Johnny just has a little pipsqueak. Like, no, not at all. And again, it's, it's sort of like every, every time Johnny Augustine has gone up, gone a chance, I'll beat this drum. Uh, all night long, if I have to. Every time he's got a chance, and the numbers back it up, he produces. But yet they'll give him one or two or three carries a game. Give the guy ten. Brady's not doing anything right now. They this, like I said before, this offense feels so flat. A guy like Johnny, especially with Dembski out, who I think is their most electrifying player on on offense. Yeah. Give Johnny more of a shot here. You need someone just with with some more burst and whatnot. And Greg, maybe Greg McRae is that guy. They kind of put him in a couple of spots. Or positions to, to fail tonight just by giving them the ball and those swing passes and, and whatever. But you, you can kind of sense that what they see in him. And you look just kind of reading up on him as well. Like he has a pretty impressive resume. Like he averaged six and a half yards per carry at Central Florida, which is the 
uh, tops in school history. So that's a you know pretty impressive feat, obviously. But he, again, he's he's a pretty tiny guy as well. That's not a guy you're going to be Super handing small. the ball to twenty times a game. So I mean, this the Bombers have traditionally been a team that kind of just gives the ball to the one guy and that's the way it works. But this might be a three man approach and it might be uh, kind of awkward at times, I guess, but I don't know. But again, for me, I think Johnny Ogg's team needs to be the one a in that group uh, for sure. I'm not saying Brady should be, you know, put on the bench for the entire game, but yeah, I, I just, I, I don't understand how he keeps getting more carries than Johnny Augustine. Love uh, MRV. Thanks buddy. Jumping in and uh, explaining saying Johnny Augustine needs to get into space. You're right. He can't run up the middle. You have to get Johnny off tackle or sweeps. He's very good at catching the ball downfield. That's for sure. Uh, saw him at Guelph for four years. He was very good at Guelph. Went undrafted in the CFL draft, which is interesting. Uh, Winnipeg has actually has been his third stop in the CFL, but definitely his longest home. Um, Winnipeg likes Johnny Augustine. Are they using him enough? I, I think that's almost the forever conversation here in 2022, Taylor. Um, you know, that all said, I don't think putting Augustine in for, you know, however many touches Oliveira had tonight would have solved the problems on offense. Like Oliveira had seven carries. Like, did they even try to run the ball tonight? I, I don't know if they really did. It was a lot of the jet sweep and, and off tackle and everything to the outside. Uh, you know, a couple of people in the chat mentioning maybe they weren't blocked too well. Toronto read it really well. Uh, I think that was maybe Toronto's best defensive game of the season. But I still think a lot of that has to do with Winnipeg um, just not finding an electricity, not finding a spark on offense. It just seems really kind of tepid right now, like lukewarm water. Yeah. And you could probably count on, you know, two to three fingers. How many times they really threw the ball downfield. Like they seemed very, again, quoting Adam here, which you said earlier, like a Matt Nichols, uh, you know, check down um, offense. It was, you know, they're, they're just boring to watch honestly right now. And they're, and they just again they, they they seem super flat and somewhat a couple of people in the comments have been mentioning Brendan O'Leary Orange was, was he even playing tonight he was invisible and you guys are right I actually forgot he was even playing until you guys well, I didn't I didn't see any I didn't I didn't sorry to cut you off I didn't see any throws to the wide side of the field like Wolitarski's no. normally there at the Z that's the like wide wide receiver uh, wide side wide receiver he moved inside with Dembski gone and they used Greg McRae kind of similarly but yeah. Bolo, Brandon O'Leary Orange was was way to the outside and, and didn't really have much uh, going there. Tyler Fabry had a comment earlier and he just made it again. Tyler, I'm going to pull up your original. Um, Zach Kolaris asked about the swing passes and he says they were called uh, they were called plays like checking out of a run play based on the defensive alignment. So a quarterback will check out of a play and into another play at the line of scrimmage. So they might call a run play in the huddle and then they get to the line of scrimmage and they're like, okay, you know, where we're running it, they're stacking their, you know, dimebacker or they're stacking their weak side linebacker uh, or, or they've shifted their middle linebacker. Let's call out of this. So instead of doing a run play, we're going to, you know, do a checkout, uh, you know, quick little swing pass. So you don't have to change your formation too, too much. That's kind of the complicated way of breaking it all down. But um, that said, if, Winnipeg's check play is getting beat every single time. Don't you have something else you can put in there like a hot route or, you know, a quick slant, a hot route is like 
essentially throw at the receiver as soon as they're running off the line of scrimmage, right? Like you'll, you'll throw a hot route. If, if the DB is like, you know, seven or 10 yards off of the line of scrimmage or just hit your receiver real quick. Hopefully he can make the tackler miss and then you can pick up some yardage that way. But whatever they were doing to check out of those run plays, if, if that actually is the case as Kolaris alleges, um, you know, it, it wasn't working. They, they, they need to figure something out there. Toronto was all over it all night. People calling it, you know, Taylor, people calling it, you know, uh, sleepy play calling or, or vanilla or flat, like we've used to describe it uninspired. Uh, if it is a checkout play, they've got to fix that. It's, it's, it wasn't working tonight. Yeah. I guess one positive, if, if you want to pull one from the offense tonight is, is Dalton shown. He, he looked pretty impressive. And again, this is a yeah. rookie uh, American receiver and, you know, they, they lose Kenny and they lose Darvin Adams, who yes, has probably lost a step or two, but uh, you know, Dalton's been, he's been reliable. Uh, you know, Zach looks like he really trusts him and, and whatnot, but and someone, but again, again, uh, this, we, we keep saying it, just how flat this offense looks. Some people were mentioning how Janarian Grant maybe deserves some more, some more looks on offense. Uh, that might help. Um, yeah, this wasn't Buck Pierce's best play calling, play calling performance by, by any means. Um, there were several times it was like, I don't understand what, what, what you guys are trying to do with this play here. But um yeah, it's, it's just so weird what's what's happened. This offense was just so scary last year. I believe they're the best in the league. And again, I know they lost some pretty important guys, but uh, DB, it, it, it does not look good. But I guess fortunately for them is they have still this historic defense who keeps bailing them out. There was a, a comment quite a bit earlier saying the defense was the offense tonight, and, and it definitely was. I mean, that Winston Rose pick, uh, pick, pick six, you know, bought the bomber sometime to figure things out. Uh, and again, it just seems like every time that, that they need a, a big play on defense, they deliver. Um, Winston Rose made it arguably an even better play, uh, I believe, in the third quarter when uh, Banks had that catch just on the goal line and he kind of punches it out and yep. get, gets, uh, you know, passed around quite a bit there. Great and play. Great play. Yeah. Winston Rose, he he took a lot of uh, a lot of negative things were said about Winston Rose uh, in the first two games of the season. He did not look like an all-star corner that he has been. It did not look like a guy that, you know, got a shot from the NFL pretty recently. But tonight, he was phenomenal. I think if they were giving out a game ball, it'd probably go to him because, yeah, those are two massive plays, and the Bombers don't win this game without those. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Taylor. That That's really um, a redemption game for Winston Rose after that rough start, as you mentioned. Uh, Paul Audette, uh, who's watching live on YouTube, asks, why does Winston Rose play so far off receivers? Um, you know, zone defense is really the norm in professional football now. You don't see man-to-man too, too often. So, Winston being a corner, and now he is on the wide side of the field with Demario Houston taking Rose's spot at the boundary corner, the hot corner, I call it. Um, he's got a lot of field to work with, and he's probably playing outside shade. So, like, Winston Rose is playing with his back to the sideline and watching what the receiver does, not letting him get between him and the sideline. So, Rose playing off the ball, and what do we see Winston Rose so often do? jump the route, right? He likes watching what's everything's happening. Maybe they've told him be a little bit more conservative, stay back and then make, you know, attack and make the play when the ball is thrown. That's much easier to do 
on the wide side of the field than it is where Rose played at the beginning of the season uh, with the shorter field, right? So give him lots of space to, to play off the ball. It's all part of zone, you know, deep quarter, all the, all this mumbo jumbo lingo or whatever. Um, but he's, he's got his little region of the field that he's responsible for and watching that receiver to see if he can jump on a pass. We saw it tonight, as you mentioned, Taylor, pick six early in this game that really had the momentum going the Blue Bombers way. Montreal or uh, Toronto rather uh, just did enough to get the momentum back in their favor, especially late uh, in the, in the second quarter, like going into oh, half. Well, Darren, I was it, say, it was, it was in Toronto's favor. Okay. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say, let's not forget in week one, when Winston Rose got absolutely torched, you know, credit to him. He, he faced the music after the game. He spoke to the media and he said, you know what? I was just being too aggressive. I was trying too hard to make an interception happen and stuff. So I, I'd assume his mindset has changed since then because that didn't go so well. And that's maybe why he's playing a bit more conservative, I guess, tonight. And hey, it obviously it worked out. But, um, you know, Darren, I, I know he just put up, pulled up the, the Wallaby Warrior. It's Hardrick uh, tonight, the uh, message. But maybe we should talk some Mark Leggio. I, I've heard his name sure. quite often in the chat and some people are saying they're now believers in Lake Yo. Um, you know, it's amazing. On eh? Well, on paper, Just he's hundred like percent from, from on field goals for the year, but uh, his, he's three for three tonight, but his longest was from 32 yards. Yeah. One of them was a 15 yarder. That's um, a I can hit that, you know, I, I, I would, hope I, I would think, I, I think can, so. Yeah. Can you I kick, played. can you kick a 30 yard field goal? It's harder than it looks. I think my range is 25 and under. If, if it's if we're 25 yards and under, I'm pretty confident. Now we're but once now we're, we're at 30, we might be. Uh, we 30 might be is a good. Uh, 30 is yeah. a good distance. I, I've gone out to the local fields and, and booted some footballs with my my boys back in the day, and uh, it is not easy to kick a 30 yard field goal. It, that is a, a shot. Uh, but Legio got the job done. You know, he didn't miss any converts. He didn't uh, miss any field goals. Um, and, you know, maybe not as effective punting today as he was last week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, where he was awesome, um, but did his job. If if we're not talking about Mark Leggio, and I'm glad you brought him up, but normally you wouldn't talk about the kicker in a game like this. That's a good thing because he just went out there. He did his job uh, too often, Mark Leggio or Ali Mortada or whomever the Blue Bombers kicker is uh, not named Sergio Castillo. Uh, too often their, their names are, you know, part of the conversation uh, in the post game. Um, well, well, let me ask you this and yeah. the, the viewers as well, when it's October or even November, if the game's on the line, let's say from 40 plus yards, and it's up to Legio to, to seal the deal. Are you are you feeling confident in him? I mean, Sergio Castillo, what he did in last year's Great Cup was phenomenal, like absolutely insane. Um, in the wind, like, like people don't talk about that enough. Like the way he kicked in the wind was awesome. Like what was it? The the left to right going left to right on the broadcast and from our vantage point in the press box, Taylor. Like that one kick he made. I think it was in the third quarter. Maybe no, maybe it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, into the wind and it was like hooking but he kicked it perfectly and you know i understand you know uh most outstanding player most outstanding canadian the rest but man he should have got maybe some recognition for a game that nobody really popped off the page outside of obviously some some really really big impact plays 
Yeah, I wrote the five uh, takeaways from the Great Cup, and one of them for me was I think Castillo should have been the most outstanding player in that game because they don't win it without him. And Zach, he it wasn't at his best, but uh, I guess I guess talking you know more more recently, uh, Legio, um, you know you know it's it's been encouraging. You know the the, the game against Hamilton, the he was lights out. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, what stuck in my head, Darren, is last year there, there was a game at home against Calgary where he hit the game winner, and I think he hit three or four field goals in the game. He looked really good, and it looked like, okay, well, maybe you know we don't need to call Justin Medlock every 10 seconds trying to convince him to, to, to come back. Um, but what happened after that Calgary game? The, the wheels completely fell off Legio. He had two bad games after that, and... Before you know it, they're making a trade for Sergio Castillo. So uh, tonight was, uh, you know, his first game after that really good game uh, this year. So I was, I was curious to see how he would respond, if it was going to be similar to last year. But, but honestly, like when you're kicking three kicks from 32 yards and and, and under, um, he, he has to be making that. I don't think there's anything can be taken away from his performance tonight. I don't think we can say, oh, yeah, way more confident leg yo because he drilled that 15 yarder right down the pipe like whatever like i think there was absolutely nothing to learn from leg yo uh tonight. i mean it's better than him missing those kicks obviously yep. but um yeah it, if this team isn't deep in the playoffs and they need him to make a big kick like i'm still man, i mean i'm a reporter i don't care who wins or loses but i if i was a bomber fan i would be sitting there going yeah, I'm not feeling that great, but you know we'll see. It's still early in the year, and he's still a young guy. But you know, so far he's made all his field goals. He can't really dump on the guy. So well, and and to your point that you wrote about uh, out of the Grey Cup that Castillo should have been MOP. Like I, I printed that. Uh, I printed that article off, and it's it's hanging in my in my bedroom, Taylor. Oh well. Oh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, I'm poking <laughs> fun of you because you and I were talking about that going into the Grey Cup. I was like, oh man, you know, people are going to be reading this, you know, for years. It's the championship and then the five takeaways. Uh, no doubt people were. Uh, Taylor, you did a really good job on that. I was just trying to trying to skewer you a little bit to have a little fun here. On I figured you being sarcastic. But, you know. <laughs> I just wanted to well, believe I, for a second. I just wanted to believe. Yeah. No, I, I've, yeah. I, I don't know how many articles I've actually printed off uh, in the last 10 years, but uh I don't know how many how many hard copies did you take of that paper? Uh, I think and a couple for mom and dad and grandma. Uh, well, the thing is, they when I first started writing for the free press, they all kept all the articles and stuff. Sure. And then, and then it's know, like enough already. <laughs> then it's like okay, yeah, the whole storage room is going to be filled up with them pretty soon. You know, when you're writing every day and whatnot. So now it's at the point where I'll keep the odd one or two when there's something uh, cool, really cool that I, I I write, or I should say I write something really cool every day. But uh, when it's something um <laughs> extra proud of, I'll keep that one for sure. But uh, yeah, not not too many uh, these days. But I'm. Um, you know, keeping around, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was one for sure. I had to keep it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Championships uh, don't come along too often. Uh, despite what people here in Winnipeg seem to think with the back-to-back champs over three years, uh, here in Winnipeg, uh, some people in the live chat asking about the, um, Brandon Banks touchdown, the Demario Houston, uh, near interception that was not overturned by video review. You can go back in the YouTube video. We talked about it pretty much right off the top of the show. Uh, everything available on podcast. Go to your favorite podcast app, whatever it is. Search Bonfire Sports. 
you will find it there. Uh, links to all of those popular podcast apps uh, on bonfiresports.ca. Um, do you want to do a quick programming note? We're going to take a buy this week on Bonfire Midweek. Zach is good and will be back very, very soon. Wanted me to share that with everybody out there. If you follow him on Twitter, uh, at Zach Schnitzer 48, uh, he was active tonight. So he he's champing at the bit to uh, get back into things and uh, join us here on Bonfire Sports. But, um, oh my goodness, I have a puppy dog running in here. Let's see. Hang on. Hang on. Come here. Come here. Oh, you're excited. Oh, here's uh, my replacement, new, new co-host. This is my, this is Myra. We're we're dog sitting. Say hi, Myra. Hi. Okay, that's enough of that. So uh, enjoying the. Uh, <laughs> that, gonna... that dog just like ran in here and scared the crap out of me. Scared me brushing my teeth this morning too. I like need the the vanity. I need the um you know the cupboard uh, <laughs> under my bathroom sink because the dog just came. I'm not used to having a dog in the house. And we're, yeah, anyway, uh, well, hope everybody well, enjoyed uh, a, a quick look at uh, a Shih Tzu. <laughs> there you go well on that on that note very very quickly we'll get back to football more importantly but yes let's do that <laughs> my, my my friend my friend was telling me on the weekend that there's this app called a rover where you can dog sit for people and get paid yeah. and you set you set your your rate and whatever so my good friend she had uh she had two dogs she sat this weekend she made 200 bucks so for me good I'm for her i might become a, a part-time dog sitter moving forward so yeah. But anyone in the chat, and if they need a dog to get looked after, you know, we'll let me know. Over we'll, we'll, we'll talk. But uh, yeah, yeah well, sorry. This, back to this, football. This is your opportunity to plug your Twitter, Taylor. Oh, there you what go. Is, at, what is your at handle? Taylor Allen 31. At Taylor Allen 31. When you have a there super you common name, you have to tackle Throw the numbers on there. Hand. But when you have two first names like me, people always tell me that. Uh, so, Taylor, when it, it, it comes to the Blue Bombers, like, like is there where do you gauge the concern on offense? I don't think the defense has anything to be concerned about. They continue to play lockdown defense. Uh, yes, the Argos got into the end zone tonight and it was the first touchdown uh, the Blue Bombers have allowed since the second opponent possession of the first quarter of the first game uh, this year. But um, overall, I think Winnipeg did a pretty good job against Andrew Harris. Yeah, he averaged five yards per carry and 111 yards. McLeod Bethel Thompson threw for two touchdowns and 314, but those two interceptions early definitely helped Winnipeg stay in the football game. Um, Zach Kolaris mentioned after the game that they need to do a better job scoring touchdowns and then not relying on Mark Leggio, not relying on field goals. They, they didn't have that killer instinct tonight. There was something missing, a spark, whatever it may be. Um, and it's a short week now. Uh, not not a lot of time to to get on the field and and try some new things. Uh, Saturday should be telling in Vancouver. Yeah, you, you asked me what my concern level is about the offense, so I'll I'll ask you a question back. What week is it right now? In the CFL. We uh, it's a Monday and it's week four. Is it Tuesday yet? No, it's Monday. <laughs> so there you go. It, it, it's week four. Heading heading into week five. We are still so early in the season. Um, I know everyone wants to see the Bombers or whatever the team is, you know, come out, come out the gates firing, guns blazing and stuff. And, and last year, the Bombers were a good team from the beginning of the year. But if you remember, as the season progressed, they just kept getting better and better and better and better. So again, I mentioned this before, when you start the year 4-0, that also kind of buys you some time to figure things out. I know the West Division, everyone has really good records right now, looks up for Edmonton. Um, mm -hmm. So that's something to keep an eye on uh, as well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's only week four. But with that said, though, with Dembski being out, if he's out for for a while, that definitely kind of raises the the concern there. Yeah, if they don't try anything new here with the run game, that raises some concerns because what they're doing right now obviously isn't working. Um, if if another injury happens on that old line, like they can take another injury right now, like that would just be the worst thing that could happen to them. Um, yeah, especially on offense. Yeah, no question. So yeah, it, it's still early in the year. I don't think people should be pressing the panic button on offense yet. But I was like, I think it's definitely something worth talking about. But with that said, though, when you have a defense that is this good, you don't have to be the best offense in the league. You, you really don't. Like you know, all all four of these games, they they all well, actually last week against Hamilton, they the offense. You know, they, they made some good plays. They they were pretty solid. Yep. But this defense has totally bailed this team out all season long. And even when they lose a, a guy or two here and there, they still they plug in whoever, and it's like they, they don't miss a beat. It, it, it's insane. So when you got a defense like that, you don't need to be scoring 50-something points a game. But I'll, but I'll say, though, I think this week going up against Nathan Rourke and, uh, and BC is going to be very telling because if, if this game's going into the 40s, uh, I don't see the Bombers hanging hanging around with BC to do that. But if the Bombers' defense keeps playing like they are, and they're they're able to, to stifle the lines, and they could keep us in the twenties and stuff. Like the Bombers can get you enough points to to get the win. But, uh, but yeah, like we mentioned earlier, like no one on this offense is scaring anyone right now. And I, again, with the, with the, that good of a defense, you might be able to get away with it at least right now. But yeah, it's uh, right. Uh, I'm with Phyllis, who's uh, watching live on YouTube. Thanks for joining us again, Phyllis. Uh, Our defense is the difference every game, Phyllis says. Love watching those boys do their stuff. So do I. Like, this defense is tons of fun to watch. Um, The way Adam Big Hill played tonight, like, we we touched on it earlier, Taylor. But, like, the way he leapt over the line of scrimmage and, like, lays hits on the quarterback, you know, running the, the, you know, the wedge package or the short yardage, uh, the way he flies sideline to sideline, the way he drops back, uh, obviously that hit uh, on Dunbar Jr. is still echoing through the uh, the seats at uh, IG Field. Um, but, you know, the, the backfield, like Dietrich Nichols, um, Nick Taylor, Winston Rose, now Demario Houston. Um, those guys are a lot of fun to watch. Malcolm Thompson bringing the smack, just like Brandon Alexander has always. Um, you know, I don't think Brandon Alexander is too, too close to a return. Taylor, you and I see him at practice, like running, but have you seen him change direction while running at all? I haven't. No. Yeah. Someone asked me on Twitter pretty recently if, if, if BA will likely be back anytime soon. And I don't think he will, but I mean, the way they're playing right now, they, they can hang on without him. If they could just get him, get him back for the home stretch, adding a piece like him. Oh my goodness. I mean, you, you, you think of this, this defense last year, Adam Bickhill was who they ended up naming the most outstanding defensive player who ended up winning the league's most outstanding defensive player. But really, you could have chose Willie, you could have chose Jackson, and also you could have chose B.A. as well. He had a phenomenal year last year as well, and sometimes he doesn't get enough enough credit as well just because there's so many stars on this That's defense. Fair. So yep. Malcolm Thompson, like, he's, he's he's filled in, like, quite well. He, I thought he had a good game play again with, with, with that big hit on Harris and a couple other nice plays. But, but B.A. is a difference maker. So the fact that this defense looks this good without, you know, we'll say one of their top five players on defense, um, it's pretty impressive. So if they could get BA back, 
for the home stretch and he's you know even close to what he what he usually is uh, this defense is going to be even scarier so yeah i i can't imagine it being scarier but it probably will be with ba back uh paul adet asking uh when michael couture the blue bomber starting center will be back he was placed on the six game injured list uh we do know he has a broken arm so i i don't see him coming off early is it you know six weeks eight weeks ten weeks it can it can vary greatly. Um, orthopedics that I've spoken with Taylor, they they talk about like where breaks happen, and it, it it amazes me how they can like predict how long it takes a bone to heal just based on like where it is on your leg or, or on your arm. Um, I remember Ian Wild, the Blue Bombers' uh, longtime linebacker, several years ago, uh, breaking his wrist, um, like just above his wrist, he broke his arm. And it happened on like a special teams play. I think somebody like stepped on his arm right on the sideline, uh, something to that effect. He was out like three months. And uh, like, I, you know, I, I'm asking these orthopedic surgeons, I'm like, why is a broken bone taking that long? Like, is it something else? They go, no, if you break something like close to the wrist, it's a non-vascular area. And I'm like, I'm no doctor. I'm just telling you what I've been told by the experts that these areas that don't have a lot of blood vessels in them, it takes the bone that much longer to heal. So I don't know how long Michael Couture will be out, uh, but I can't imagine him coming off the six game early. That said, I think you'd agree with me, Taylor. Chris Kolonkowski's looked pretty good at center. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned his name. I was going to jump in there and, you know, give him some praise because he definitely deserves it. And I think, honestly, he, he has kind of one of the, the most underrated stories on this team for people that, that don't know he was with the Argos for, for a couple of years, won a great cup, but didn't get to start um, any games. And then they let him go, I believe before the 2019 season didn't latch on with anyone. Mm-hmm. And then kind of looked like his career was, was a uh, kind of over. So his agent, you know, said there was, wasn't really any opportunities coming up. The best that they could find for him was a blue bombers free agent camp in, in Cincinnati. So here's this Canadian guy from Ontario driving to Cincinnati, which, which doesn't happen too often. That's usually for, for these American guys and whatever, but yeah. this guy wants to play that bad. Drives down to Cincinnati for this free agent camp, impresses, gets a contract for the, the year that didn't happen, 2020. And then they bring him back last year and, you know, he's on the PR for most of the year, doesn't get to play at all. And, and this year, finally getting a chance to play. I think he's 30 or 31 and his first career start was, uh, was this season, despite being in the league for four or five years, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, um, yeah he, he's been really solid. I, I've been really impressed with him. He hasn't been getting pushed around. He's, he's, he's pretty nasty on that line too. And him and Zach have a good, uh, have a good relationship. It seems like they've actually trained together. Uh, Zach has told us a couple of times. They actually, they've actually trained together a couple of times back in, uh, in Toronto in the off season and stuff. So they're familiar with one another. So yeah, Michael Couture is a big loss for sure. But, you know, the Bombers can at least, you know, be pretty happy that Colin Kowski is, is playing uh, quite well. Yeah, well said. Uh, and, and very cool story. When, when a guy wants to play football like that and just sticks with it and does whatever he he can to, to keep playing, uh, good on him and, and awesome that he's getting an opportunity now. Showing that he can hang with the boys like and, and start and, and play on a, one of the best offensive lines in the CFL, uh, I would probably say, I know fans won't want to hear this, okay? But Calgary's offensive line might be better than Winnipeg's this year. Just saying. Might be. I don't know. Don't don't get me too hard. Hit the hotline. So far they have been. So far they have been. 
so far they have been like Kadeem Carey, man. Oh, he is a good football player. Like, and, and the way he's running on that Calgary offense, like I'm the team won't, but I can look past Vancouver. I can look past the BC lines to Friday, July 15th at IG field Taylor. We will be there. You and I amongst many other members of the media. I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, that's that could be a battle of the unbeatens once again if Winnipeg is able to survive the short week and, and go into Vancouver um with uh, you know uh with enough health uh and juice to get the job done uh, on a short week against a, a very good team. Uh, I do need to mention our good friends at Scottswood Links and and thanks to them for uh supporting Bonfire Sports. There's their beautiful new clubhouse. They're just a quick drive down Highway 3. Uh, that is south, uh, pardon me, west uh, of Winnipeg, Elm Creek, Manitoba. It's beautiful out there. The course is in awesome shape. They didn't get very much rain out there at all. The greens are beautiful and nice. There is their uh, uh, wedding setup there. I've, I've been to a couple parties there in my day, Taylor, but great food, great people, cold drinks, uh, awesome staff. Like, go check them out. We actually have some passes to give away for Scottswood links. Uh, Scottswoodlinks.com is their website. Taylor, we need a code word for people to call the hotline or text the hotline, say or text the code word, and then you'll be entered for a uh, foursome pass. You can go two twice, or you can go foursome at once, uh, green fees and carts included. Ooh, code word, code word. Um, well, how about like, how about like the unheralded hero of the game tonight? Like we'll use their last name. How about that? Well, I was going to say Johnny for Johnny Augustine, since I've been, you know, pounding Johnny the table okay. for him. But uh, you know what? I think in honor of, uh, you know, Andrew Harris's, uh, you know, game against the Bombers and whatever, he's been the talk of the, the week and the game and whatever. Maybe, maybe just Harris for, for Andrew Harris. How about that? Okay. I like that. Andrew Harris, he got his great cup ring tonight. So he is the code word. Uh, text Harris to 816 tips, 816-8477. It's that familiar Manitoba 204 area code. Uh, standard message rates apply. As always, I always like to say, Taylor, if you want to text the hotline, it's just like texting your mama. So if you got a regular texting plan, you're good to go. Uh, but need to say that, uh, of course. Uh, the live chat is lit up. Like, awesome right now we got well over 100 people watching live following the blue bombers 23 22 win on a missed field goal or missed convert late in the game we could have seen overtime tonight taylor we might have just been starting the pregame or the postgame show right now you and i no absolutely and uh, speaking of uh the chat and how it's popping off a, a couple people have mentioned uh john trail or rockamore who was playing yeah. uh, linebacker for the Bombers last year. He actually started week one last year. I, got an inter and I think he got an interception week one, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, he, he yeah. played quite well. He's a pretty cool guy um, as well. He, I remember talk, we spoke to him in training camp. He had a pretty cool um, story and whatnot. He's into lots of different things on football. But uh, just on, on that note, though, people are asking what he's doing or and whatnot. Uh, I don't think he's playing football anywhere. Actually, I just saw him on LinkedIn. He's working as like a business development manager or something like that. So I don't Next think he'll be that, yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. So it could be, uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on what, what, uh, what happens with Kyrie Wilson, but, uh, but yeah, that's a big question mark, uh, there for sure. 
Adam with another good comment watching live on YouTube. You know who'd be sick? Mercy Maston. Uh, frowny face emoji. Poor guy. Uh, for those no uh, listening on the podcast, like heartbreaking. Mercy Maston. I was told by a CFL GM. I've, I've said this many times. A CFL GM told me after the 2019 Grey Cup, it was months after the 2019 Grey Cup Blue Bombers win, that Mercy Maston was uh, maybe the reason why Winnipeg's defense played as well as they did through the playoffs uh, and through to that Grey Cup. Uh, they did a great job stuffing the run, and then they couldn't do that check down game too much because Mercy Maston was flying all over the field. Uh, tears his Achilles last year in training camp, right, Taylor? And then Achilles again this year, surgery, and and his season is, is very, very likely over. Uh, man, like, excellent player. I sure hope he's not done with football. I don't think football should be done with him. He's just uh, an awesome football player. Yeah, Cam Akers, the running back for the, for the Rams, he he tore his Achilles, and he actually came back for the Rams at, at the very end of the season. And Wow. He didn't look very good, if we're being honest. I think he had one pretty good game, and then he kind of looked like a shell of himself, to be honest. So Didn't, um, didn't Tamu Solani, like, rip his Achilles up or something when he was with the Jets? I'm pretty uh, sure he did. I don't well, if you were born in 92, I don't know if you'd remember. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little before my time, Darren. Yeah, but but obviously he he still had lots of juice left, and, and that injury didn't hamper him uh, on his way to a Hall of Fame career, so... Uh, hoping the best for Mercy Maston. I think Winnipeg will be okay. They've got good depth. The defense is not the problem. It is the offense. Um, but, uh, you know, Taylor, as we wrap up the show, because, uh, you know, people got to work tomorrow. Uh, now, we need to do our usual uh, Walby's Warrior uh, Happy Honker Award. Uh, and then what's our other one? Help me out in the chat. I can't remember our, uh, usually I lean on Zach for these things. Uh, but uh, do you have a Walby's warrior, like the guy that just went out there and, and battled his way tonight? Well, honestly, it deserves to go to a guy in double blue, Andrew Harris. I know we talked about a bunch uh, this game, but was wow. there anyone on like offense it. on either on either side uh, that was more impressive than Andrew Harris tonight? I personally don't no. think so. He, Yeah. He was running angry. Like, he was fighting for first downs. He was bowling guys over. Like, he was busting his ass trying to win that game. He, whether Toronto wanted to win it or not, he was he was doing everything he could to, to try to make them win it, even though they were making all these mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot and whatnot. So, uh, so yeah, for, for me, I'd have to go to Andrew Harris. But if we have to give one to the, someone in, in blue and gold, um the fact that I'm struggling to think of one. That's, well, you know, I'll pick, I'll pick one. I'll pick one from the blue bars. I like the Andrew yeah. Harris pick. He, he was a, a warrior tonight. I'm going to pick a guy on offense for the bombers. Oh, Jamarcus Hardrick, uh, went down in this game twice, stayed Good in call. it, stayed in the fight. Uh, he was a warrior tonight. I know Chris Walby will be happy. I picked the blue bombers starting right tackle, uh, for Walby's warrior. Um, Westwood's wide to the right is the one I forgot. So like the moment in the game or the moment this week in the CFL that just pissed you off, that just doesn't make sense. That just bothers you. You got one. I do. And the, the thing that pisses me off and bothers me is the fact that this game was in Toronto. And the fact, or at least that Toronto's not coming to Winnipeg at all this year. I think that's right. such a missed opportunity 
uh, IG Field would be rocking for that one. And I kind of touched on it earlier. I think most people, I, I, I would say 85% of people, maybe even 90, would be cheering for Andrew and, and giving him a standing ovation and whatever. There'd be the odd boo bird or two. But yeah. that, that kind of sucks that we're getting robbed of that opportunity. That would be a really memorable night, not only for him, but just for the Bombers and, and everyone. So, yeah, so yeah I'm, 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 that's what kind of pissed me off, watching this game from my living room. Like, no, this, this should have been happening at IG Field, or this should be happening in IG Field in, in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, so yeah that, 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 that was a big-time bummer. So hopefully Andrew plays another year so that moment can't happen, or maybe they meet in the playoffs or the crossover or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that, that pissed me off. That was Actually, that was kind of lingering in my head all week. I was like, man, this, this would be way better if this was happening here. So Taylor that pissed Allen, me off. You, that, that was an awesome wide to the right. I love that. Uh, great call. Uh, I'm going to, despite, despite what I said earlier about it, I'm going to echo the voice of the people. And my Westwood wide to the right tonight is the uh, non-call overturn on the Demario Houston interception brandon banks touchdown play uh people didn't like it people felt houston had the interception they felt he was down by contact that it should have been an int play ended there not allowing banks to take the ball away um if that play went the blue bombers way the blue bombers we wouldn't be talking about you know like a, a misconvert not sending this game to overtime we'd be talking about a pretty healthy blue bombers win it could probably be your your you know, um, uh, bonfire sports turning point, uh, tonight as well. But I'll, I'll put that, uh, as my Westwood wide to the right. You got a happy honker award. Are you familiar with that? You heard that before? I was, I was going to say, what on earth is a happy honk, honker word? Is that something okay. you want to win or is that? <laughs> so, yeah. So the old happy honker award is like on, on CGOB, like way, way back, like way, way back to um cactus jack wells uh he would um you know like people driving home from the game in the post game show and they, they would like honk their horn um cgob's studios used to be like right by there so you could hear the the honking of the horns that sort of thing so he did a happy honker award uh we we just give it to a moment of of levity or a moment we liked uh in the game or in in the cfl this week um I'm trying to think of something that that I liked in this game. Oh, you know what? I got a happy honker word. Something jumping out to you? Well, you, you go first. Okay. I'm still wrapping my head around what the heck a happy honker is. But yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my happy honker will go to Nick Taylor, uh, a player who the Blue Bombers uh, social media team highlighted dancing uh, during warmups. Uh, he is, the way the Blue Bombers put it is that he is a vibe. If you don't know what that is, you know, uh, look it up on, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, uh, encyclopedia you want to use, but he is a underappreciated under promoted personality on this blue bombers team. Uh, and to see him go two seasons without an interception and now have three on the year to lead the CFL be tied with a couple other guys, uh, is just awesome. I'm happy honking for Nick Taylor. Um, good on you, buddy. Well done. Yeah, no, that's that's a good pick, uh, for sure. I think for me, my happy honker would have to be uh Drew Walatarski. You know, that was a pretty sweet touchdown snag, yeah, in the, in the first okay. half there. And uh, you know, we were kind of talking uh beforehand how with, with Dembski out, you know, Drew Walatarski probably wasn't the, the first guy you'd think of that would maybe 
get some more action. You kind of think it'd be Rashid Bailey or someone else. But, uh, yeah, Drew, I mean, he, he, he's kind of funny. He'll, he'll be quiet for like three or four weeks and you kind of forget yeah. about him. And then he'll just make some insane catch. And you're like, oh, yeah, that Drew's pretty good at football too, isn't he? Um, I know he didn't light up the game tonight or whatever, but that was a nice, you know, catch in, in traffic he made. And he, he found yeah. his way in the end zone. And, you know, all of us media – uh, folk always get a kick out of speaking with uh, with Drew, just uh, you know, this this kind of cool California guy vibe he has, calling us a dude and bro and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of kind of funny and uh, yeah, like Ty's mentioning yeah. in the live chat, the rock star. You know, he does that guitar uh, uh, celebration in the end zone, right? Absolutely, yeah. that's, absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a good happy honker. I like that. Uh, who was it here? It was uh, AJ who's watching live on YouTube. The happy honker goes to Willie Jefferson for belting out the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, I think that was a cool thing they did at uh, BMO tonight. Absolutely. Fourth of July, tons of Americans uh, on the field uh, and, and probably in the stands too, I would imagine, um, including Brendan O'Leary Orange's family, which has a lot of American ties, Doyle Orange, uh, an American uh, of uh, native descent, but uh, was a phenomenal running back for the Toronto Argonauts back in the day. Uh, his family was all there for Brendan O'Leary Orange's first career CFL start. So um in the stands, on the field, I think it's a great thing to, um, you know, pay homage on the 4th of July to to those Americans that were in attendance. Yeah, and uh, props to Mike O'Shea. He was singing the Canadian anthem as well. They had a nice little close-up shot of him. You could hear, hear him, or not hear him, but you could you could uh, see him uh, singing the anthem, which is, which is kind of funny. But uh, actually, now that I think of it, did you hear, and did anyone else hear, when Winston Rose had that pick six, he was carrying the ball with one hand, which old school football guy is absolutely freaking hate. Loaf and, of bread. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Brandon Banks was behind him and he tried tackling him and he fell and didn't, didn't get him. But uh, you could, I, I'm pretty sure you could, you could hear uh, on, on the broadcast, you, you couldn't see Mike saying this, but you could, you could hear the audio of him, you know, using uh, an expletive word or two saying how, you know, don't you dare hold the ball like that, especially when you have a, a fast guy behind you like that, which yeah. I, got, I got a kick out of. I took note of that, but didn't forgot to mention that until now. So, uh, so yeah, um, that was kind of a, a funny moment for, from the game. Yeah, that, that is a good moment too. So like maybe an honorable mention for our happy honker uh, award tonight. Well, Taylor, this, this was fun, man. You got any final thoughts before uh, we wrap things up? Uh, final thoughts. Uh, honestly, yeah, I'm just super excited for, for Saturday. Honestly, I'm yeah. lucky enough. It'll be, I'll be headed to uh, Vancouver to cover the game for, for the free press. So, uh, nice. so stay tuned to that. But, uh, but yeah, Saturday night in Vancouver, two undefeated teams, BC with this Canadian kid at quarterback. Just how freaking cool is that? I don't care who you cheer for. That's just so good for the league. And, you know, it's we'll, good for football we'll, in Canada, right? Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. who knows, maybe the wheels will fall off with this guy or, and, or maybe <laughs> not, you know, there's also talk that some, he might get some NFL looks as well. So um, again, I, I don't think it matters who you cheer for. It's just, that's just really, that's a super fun storyline. Uh, Trey Ford over in, in Edmonton uh, as well, getting some opportunities now too. So, so yeah, this is a, this is a fun time to be following this league, covering this league. And like I said, I'm super stoked to be going to Vancouver uh, for Saturday and uh, yeah hopefully my flight doesn't get delayed a bunch which seems to be happening happening to everyone right now but uh yeah. either way yeah this weekend should be should be a blast how about you yeah 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It's it's only a three-game slate in CFL Week 5, so three teams on the bye. Another Battle of Alberta, Calgary in Edmonton on Thursday, uh, Ottawa in Regina on Friday night, and then Bombers-Lions Saturday. Uh, Chris Walby and I will have Game Day Winnipeg and your pregame show, as always, the day before the game. The day before the game, right around 3 o'clock, Chris Walby and I go live, but of course, the video is available. The podcast is available all the way up. Well, even right now, if you want to uh, watch it or listen to it. Um, and then uh, we will have post-game coverage, as always, here on Bonfire Sports. But, man, the, the live chat was lit up tonight. Uh, everybody, thanks so much for joining us live. Taylor, thanks to you, man. Give Taylor Allen a follow on Twitter at TaylorAllen31. I'm going to ask you off air, Taylor, what the 31 is for. We'll keep it a secret from, from the, the no, huddle masses right I'll, now. I'll, I'll tell everyone. Well, you want to I'm tell not... everyone. Okay. What is Absolutely. it? Absolutely. My favorite. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea, by the way. None. I don't think many people know. So my favorite athlete of all time, any sport is Reggie Miller. Shooting guard, Indiana Pacers plays entire. Wow. Pacers. I saw a documentary. It wasn't the 30 for 30 that ESPN did a couple years ago. It was okay. this Fox sports documentary they did on him. I was a little kid watching this and. The Raptors were, you know what, at the time and stuff. So it was a frustrated time as a basketball fan. And they saw this documentary on Reggie and they're, you know, it was just talking all about his rivalry with the Knicks in the 90s and Spike Lee and all his game-winning, you know, clutch three-pointers and his rivalry with Michael Jordan and stuff. And I, and I always liked the underdogs, the small market teams, the, nice. you know, players like that and stuff. And I was like, this is my guy. So... I'm currently sitting in my, my dining room area right now. Actually, my office, I have a, his jersey on the wall and a, a, a framed poster from his retirement wow. game. And Reggie stuff. Miller. So, so, yeah, pretty random. I don't think there's probably any or too many Indiana Pacers fans in, in Canada or, or Winnipeg, for, for that matter, or Reggie Miller fans. But uh, yeah. that, that's my guy. So I've I've been rocking 31 uh, ever since then. So I didn't think mm. I'd get the squeeze in a reggie miller reference tonight but I'm, I'm glad i did thanks for the opportunity but more importantly this has been so much fun uh the chat's been awesome you guys yeah uh, so many great uh you know comments and stuff so many things that were kind of making making me laugh and, and, and stuff as well some great insights so uh so darren this has been awesome you're doing a great job this year like i said and and uh yeah, I'd, I'd love to come back if you, if you ever need me. So, yeah, thanks again. Absolutely, man. Well, yeah, I hope you travel safe to Vancouver. The Bombers aren't even really practice. Well, they're going to have one practice this week. It is closed. So, uh, you know, Taylor, you'll have uh, pieces in the Winnipeg Free Press this week, and you can follow him uh, on Twitter, as I mentioned. I put it in the live chat, at Taylor Allen. Uh, 31. I love, okay, waiters, you've been ripping it up in the live chat tonight, uh, dropping hilarious comments all the time. Reggie Miller mocking Spike with the choke. Uh, one of my favorite moments in, in sports period. Uh, I loved watching just a quick thought on Reggie Miller. I loved watching him because not only was he clutch, but he was just such a competitor, such a gamer. And the fact that he was never able to get to the promised land, it's kind of like, you know, Howard Chuck and the jets in a Wayne Gretzky dominated national hockey league. Well, that's what was Michael Jordan and the bulls, right? Uh, they were just able, never able to get out of, uh, uh, out of the conference with, with the bulls there, but, um, what a competitor, what a gamer. I think that's pretty cool that, uh, you got a Reggie Miller comment in, uh, uh, in here tonight, but, uh, yeah, this was awesome. Taylor, uh, looking forward to, uh, reading your work and, uh, thanks again for doing this. Thanks to everybody out there, uh, in the live chat. 
bonfiresports.ca. You can find everything you need there, uh, podcasts, links, uh, and more. Thanks, Taylor. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody, I am going to uh, push some buttons here so then I can actually uh, end the show. But uh, thanks again. Uh, appreciate you all. And uh, hope you have a good night. Bombers win by one. Move to 4-0. We'll see you Friday for the pregame here on Bonfire Sports. <laughs>